this house here in Louisiana is not built for the cold. Because even though we have the furnace set or the heat set at 70 degrees, which up north we would never actually think about, right? Like it's, the most it got up to was 68. This thing's running at 70 degrees and it is so cold in this house because there's no insulation or whatever else. But anyway, fine. It seems okay when you're used to it. But when you're stuck in your closet with the door closed and a computer and you've been recording podcast interviews for hours on end. When you come out of this nice little warm sauna, it is actually really cold in this house. Not a good story. That was a 40, 40 second cold open. Hello and welcome to another episode of the summer session of the admissions directors launchcast. I am so excited to be here with my good friend Nathan. Nathan, how are you? I am very well. I am very well. I think um, we've officially made it up to Illinois. I, who am I joking? We're recording these all at the same time, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I, I don't know if you, I, think you were persuading anyone at your first five seconds of that, but it was not convincing. It was not. Yeah, I couldn't even like fake it until I make it. But anyway, no, this is a episode number two. I don't think we're actually counting these we episodes of the we summer session. Them. We don't number them, but whatever. This is the second one in the summer of 2022 summer session series and really excited very excited to have an exciting gentleman on the podcast for an extended cut. Dan Saavedra, founder of StriveScan, based in Chicago, Illinois. This, I have to tell you, um, was a great, great interview back in the winter. Yes. We also had some conversations um, at one of the ACACs. I want to say it was the Illinois ACAC um, with Dan, and he... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny. He asked us, I think, if he could do a redo of the interview because so much had changed from when we did mm-hmm. the interview in January um, to April after he come off of the travel season. And now we're going to air the extended cut here um, in the summertime, but still plenty of good nuggets in here. Um, the travel season is still evolving. I think even when this airs, like yes. two or three weeks from now, this will feel dated, based basic, basing on what I'm hearing from some of our counselors um, about stuff that's being you're, planned uh, for the fall. So you're you're really selling the content of this podcast, Nathan. Uh, it it may seem dated, but I think you know one of the things I remember from the conversation with Dan, and I'm excited to put the the full audio out here is just how he was talking about how StriveScan was constantly evolving, that their initial approach to virtual college fairs as the pandemic set on just kept changing and 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 updating and upgrading to, to be responsive to what students were doing. So I wasn't surprised at all when it was at Illinois ACAC, which I believe was the only conference you went to this spring, Nathan. Um, when he told Because you went that, to so many? Did you go to like 10 or something? I'm 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 sorry. I'm just saying you you were supposed to be at Midwest with me and you bailed. You were supposed to be at Southern with me and you bailed. Something about a hurricane, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound insensitive. But listen, the conversation <laughs> with Dan 
was great. So it's he was talking then about how things were constantly evolving and and changing. So when he talked to us in April, yeah, he already had some more evolutions in mind. And I'm sure by the time this is dropping in July that he'll he'll have some more and in September some more still. Dan is just, and this is why I was so excited to have him as a guest. He's just always looking ahead to what comes next. And and that that comes out in this interview. Yeah, and and how he can serve the students, serve the students, and serve the school professionals and the colleges. And um, I really think he has a nice balance of what is happening right now. How can we be responsive in the moment, and then how can we look forward, um, and what's going to happen a year from now? And that's very difficult when you're coming off of a pandemic. Very difficult mm -hmm. when you're looking at a demographic cliff. Very difficult when you're looking at rising costs of inflation for these families, and you know how are they going to visit colleges. So maybe the college fair will become even more important here in the fall because they're not going to be able to spend as much travel dollars to go to campus visits. So um, always move a lot of moving parts over the summer here heading into the fall. Um, but regardless, uh, I think anything, any um, any type of thoughts, comments, um, predictions um, that come out of Dan are worth listening to. And so that's definitely why we wanted to put it here as an extended cut, um, for the summer. So now Nathan, uh, you, you, you know me and you know how much I love and appreciate all of our guests for taking time. So far mm -hmm. be it for me to offer criticism to any of them. Uh, however, just this <laughs> one time, uh, Dan, he didn't seem to know how to pronounce my name. I know. I think he pronounced it the correct way. He said Tiggy. And I, I just, in the, I, I would just like to, if Dan, if you're listening, I'm happy to send you an audio recording just of me saying my name over and over just to, just to help get it down. I think he's just going to say, I vision him driving across like <laughs> Illinois and Iowa to another round of fairs and just saying Tiege. <laughs> Tiggy. 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 I've gotten Tiggy, Tig, Tiggy, so many different ways. Uh, but TG never showed up yet. But, but until today, you just opened up. Wow. Stop. Now, speaking, speaking of our names, Nathan, I, for the second week in a row, I think I forgot to have us introduce <laughs> ourselves at the start. <laughs> We're this so is, excited. It's just because we're just, so excited. It's not my strength, you know. Mm -mm, um, mm -mm. But well, let's go ahead. Uh, would you like to tell our good listeners of who you are? Of course, of course. I'm Nathan Ament, Vice President of Enrollment Management at Loyola University of New Orleans, and my co-host is Tej Matil, uh, the, <laughs> the Director of Enrollment Success at Enroll ML. And uh, I am so excited to move into this conversation with Dan. I hope you all enjoy it. And as always, Nathan, we will see you on the other side. Well, Nathan, I am so excited, as I know you are, for this next conversation discussing the future of college fairs. Joining us today, we have Dan Saavedra, the founder of StriveScan in Chicago, Illinois. Dan, welcome to the LunchCast. Tiggy, Nathan, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's Tiege, but yes, we're glad you're here. 
Dan, for, for the that benefit was of great. Our... That was great, Dan. I'm just going to insert myself in there. <laughs> Thank you. First guest ever to call him by the right name. You know, uh, long you time listener, first time caller. <laughs> so, Dan, for, for folks who don't know either you or StriveScan, can you tell us a little bit about your background and about StriveScan? Yeah, uh, my background is I started working uh, in the college admissions world when I was 16 years old. Um, I was actually um, the web designer, web uh, person for Illinois ACAC, uh, kind of fell into that when the, the company that uh, handled Illinois ACAC's website went bankrupt and the director of counseling was uh, the president of Illinois ACAC, uh, the director of counseling at my high school was uh, the president of Illinois ACAC at the time and uh, asked for some help. So I've kind of been wow. living uh, in college admissions for a long time now and kind of doing the same job <laughs> to a certain extent uh, since I was 16. And uh, got started in StriveScan, started StriveScan as a result of my work with Illinois ACAC and working with uh, the great members and committee chairs, including the College Fair Committee, one of your previous guests, Karen Smith, uh, introduced me to the world of uh, college fairs and the College Fair Committee uh, when I was working with uh, them to build out online registration and an online fair calendar for IACAC and mm -hmm. uh, started StriveScan as a result to kind of fill a need that they had. So now uh, we're the, Strive the student scanning app used by 18 different NACAC affiliates and five ACROs around the country. We've done fairs in 72, 72 countries around the world. Uh, and then in the pandemic on the virtual side, we've now host college fairs for our partner associations and schools, invented the StriveScan six by six virtual college fair. That's been one of our more popular and successful formats that you might've mm -hmm. participated in. Yeah, and Dan, just to, first, Karin speaks the world of you. Uh, and <laughs> very kind. And second, uh, I mean, you nailed it with StriveScan. It is, it is so good. It is so good. And it really um, answered some challenges and some problems that we didn't even know we were having at college fairs. So uh, I, great work with all that. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I'd say, you know, it's been, it was inspired by and at the request of uh, reps and mm -hmm. counselors. So, uh, you know, I think that the, the issue, it's not a, uh, a brand new novel idea. I think what we're trying to do is just serve a need, solve a problem that kind of gets everyone on the same page and a system that works together to make everyone's lives a little easier. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, Dan, I'm, I'm really eager to talk about the future of college fairs. And I, I think you have a, a really unique perspective on it. And I just want to just get right to the first question, right? Are old school college fairs in a high school gym with unfiltered air and 50, and let me just say filthy handshakes per person, are they dead? Are they gone? What, what's, what's happening in the future? I, I'm more than happy for the handshake part to be done, uh, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, but I, you know, I think a lot of people have been predicting the death of in-person college fairs for a long time. I think that's even before the pandemic, you know, people have kind of wondered what the, the future holds for that. But I think if anything, the last two years have shown us that, you know, we, we have this need for a human connection. Uh, when you can get together in person and create the excitement around an in-person event, there's really nothing that can replace that. Um, there's, We've, we've learned a lot 
going virtual and over the last two years and mm -hmm. created a lot of access as a result of that. But at the same time, there's nothing like a college fair in a school or a community for that group to rally around, to spark conversations about college for students to get inspired or for a parent to get their gears turning about what opportunities exist for their family. Uh, that's what I think a lot of that power of the college, the in-person college fair uh, has. So do you think they'll come back as we understood them before? Will they look different? Will they serve a different purpose? Or, or is, are, are they just on pause as they had been? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think students are uh, more and more savvy, right? So the, the students that do they, they have a lot more access to information before and after the fair. Uh, that's great. And I think for a highly motivated, that is an excellent uh, supplement to the whole process. But I think they're still going to serve this role of starting the conversation out for so many students and so many families, uh, that beginning of their search process. Now, and of, of course, every student's going to be in a different place. Just because the fair comes to town on this night, does it mean that a student is ready to, to have that conversation? Or maybe they're already beyond the college fair portion of their search. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that I think that's going to change. And, and so it may not be everything to everyone as it has been for the last number of decades. But uh, so I think reps are going to have to be more prepared to have better informed, better educated students, students who have done research already. But at the same time, it will still continue to serve those students who need a, 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 you know, to be uh, in a room where you have a lot of other students who are interested in colleges, a lot of opportunities that they can walk around and still um, see all the opportunity, the myriad of opportunities that they have for the next step in their life. Dan, I think this, I would put this in the same category as we've had some discussions around campus visits and how the pandemic has affected the campus visits when it comes to that research component, right? That they, right. the student has actually done a lot of virtual things as far as a virtual tour or a virtual engagement with the student ambassador, and they come better prepared to a campus visit <laughs> and with better questions. And I'm kind of, what I'm gleaning from you is that's kind of what, how you're envisioning college fairs will happen. You'll have students that'll show up knowing what, um, knowing which questions to ask as opposed to, wow, look at, there's all these colleges here. I've heard of none of them, or maybe yeah. only two of them. <laughs> and, yeah. and now I got to go around. It seems like it might be a little bit more strategic and pointed by the family. Is that, is that what you're getting at? Yeah, I think we have to be prepared, you know, for as on the, the college side, you have to be more prepared for that to be the case. And, mm -hmm. it, and, but there'll always be that those students who walk up and say, you know, what's this all about? What do you have? Right. Right. Uh, but I think, mm -hmm. On the technology side, we're trying to equip those students a bit more. And that's some of the excitement that I have for what StriveScan, you know, filling be a role beyond just merely exchanging contact information uh, to help those students understand who's going to be at the fair, which uh, tables do I want to go up to and talk to, uh, and what information can I get prior to actually walking into that gym. So uh, mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit of a role uh, that, you know, I'd love to see StriveScan fulfill. I think they will be better educated in general um, because of the wealth of other information that will be out there to the students uh, engaging in virtual things or just doing research on their own prior to walking into the fair. I think that's a good segue to my next question here. Um, let's talk a little bit about virtual college fairs. We've been talking about in-person and how that will look, but these virtual college fairs, 
yeah. sure have been interesting, right? <laughs> and <laughs> who would have thought uh, two years in here, now we're still doing them. But um, what do you think we've learned about um, what goes well and what still needs work as we continue to fine tune these out of necessity because of the pandemic, if that makes sense? Yeah, it's been fascinating. So StriveScan has gone undergone in this last two years, three different iterations of virtual. Yeah. Uh, and it's been a hustle on our side to kind of figure it out, but we are trying to meet the evolving needs of the students, right? So when we started lockdown, StriveScan was out the gate, I think first in April, 2020, with our virtual college exploration program. It was panel presentations on different college knowledge topics, as well as virtual information sessions. We did that for uh, weeks on end from nine in the morning until 9 p.m. Central Time on a very small team running it all. And because that was what was necessary. And you could do programming all day long because there was nothing else happening. We were in lockdown. Students were not at school and there was no practice. Um, we've had to change that several times over in order to continue to meet, you know, now every institution is doing their own daily virtual information sessions. So we don't need to have to fill that role. It's out there already. Um, and so we're continuing to see uh, new needs for those students. And that's kind of where our one of our current formats came in was the virtual six by six format, six colleges yeah. talking for six minutes each, uh, because we heard from students that they liked utilizing their time and hearing from a number of different institutions together. Um, some of the panel presentations were the inspiration for the StriveScan six by six. And so putting together multiple institutions uh, and giving students an array of, of colleges and opportunities to hear from. So that's been an evolution. Um, still some of the junior night presentations and uh, you know this this the incoming classes have been disadvantaged. They haven't had a lot of those same opportunities. So we're thinking now ahead to how can we supplement that uh, college information and preparation components for those younger classes as well to add into it. So I don't have a, uh, um, a crystal ball to say this is exactly what it be, but I know we are evolving it at an even faster pace than before. Um, the, the rate at which we are changing the format and the types of opportunities and what a virtual fair looks like is accelerating. So I, I'd say to our reps and to all the admission directors, you know, bear with us because we're going to be changing uh, and you will see different opportunities because we are trying to continue to stay and keep the attention of the students, which just it's, are you in lockdown? Are you not in lockdown? Are you in virtual? Is it not virtual? Are you in school all day? Is there practice happening? Like it keeps changing for everyone. So hmm. we have to kind of craft the virtual fair experience to meet that. Dan, do you think any of the lessons you learned that that led to the invention of the six by six concept, is, is, is any of that applicable back to the in-person college fairs? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I think, I love that question. We took it from the in-person in the sense that like, um, group travel has always been a thing, you know, similar mm -hmm. institutions traveling together has worked really well. Um, and 
that translated the kind of the evolution was we saw that in some of the panel presentations we offered in March, April, 2020, uh, the Virginia public schools was a great group that put together a panel and resonated really well with students. Um, and so I, I think that idea of similar institutions paired together and, and similar can be a lot of different things. There's a lot of different similarities, uh, but those, those affinities I think resonate with students, whether it be virtual or in person. So finding opportunities, I don't know if it's necessarily a fair because the fair is designed to be, you know, there's a lot of different opportunities there, mm -hmm. but definitely in other in-person recruitment for sure. Um, we've worked for a long time with the colleges that change lives, uh, at the small private liberal arts schools. Um, Caché is another group of STEM uh, schools that have had a really engaged student base because of their affinity and the programming that they put on uh, around that affinity. So Dan, if you were to flash forward five years, uh, five years from now, Nathan, I think you have a junior in college and a freshman. Uh, my son, I say, well, he'll be he'll, he'll have turned on me and gone to college himself. So it'll be a different world. Um, but in this scenario, five years out, the pandemic is gone or under control. Virtual fairs are not a necessity, but they're part of the part of the toolbox, part of the mix. And you as you envision the future, uh, if it were up to you, what do college fairs look like in 2027? Oh, that's so interesting. Um there's a combination. It's it's not virtual is not a necessity, but it's going to stick around. There will be continuing to be on-demand uh, ways of accessing this content. Uh, there will still be a need for in uh, live engagement between admission officers uh, and counselors with their students in a variety of ways. Um, and virtual may not be a necessity, but it's going to be an enhancement. It's going to be another option that's going to continue to be on the table. The fair experience itself, I honestly don't know. I know that because like I just said, we, we've iterated three times over the last two years. Um, I think the, the, the component will be students will have more information at their fingertips in a larger variety of ways to access it. Uh, so we're hoping both in in-person and a virtual before they're even in the fair itself, they're going to have access to resources, additional information, and you're going to have to, and I say you, I mean, <laughs> I'm speaking to you two as <laughs> leaders in your office, you know, start intriguing those students to, to jump in. So if it's showing up or walking up to your table at an in-person fair or clicking on that link and entering into that virtual uh, fair space, room, Zoom, whatever it is uh, in, in five years. But we need to be able to um, get them information prior to them committing to spending 20 minutes, six minutes, 45 minutes with you in that space. So providing additional information, enhancing the, the grab, what's gonna bring them in? What's gonna pull them into the walk up to your table? What's gonna pull them into that Zoom with you? Uh, will have to be a compelling case to make sure that they uh, are intrigued at an early level. Dan, Nathan, I have a, a question slash story. I'd like to just knowingly jump into summer session. So this next piece will cut out for the, the April recording. Um, but here's something I've been wondering is 
at college fairs, we used to have students just unprompted walk up to us and and inquire and ask for information. And sometimes it appealed to them. Sometimes it didn't. It was a numbers game. Mm-hmm. And they often thought part of why that was happening is the student was there one way or another. Their school put them on a bus or mom <laughs> took them in a car, but they're there mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. nothing else that they can do with their time other than hang out with colleges, right? And one of the reasons I think the six by six was a necessary innovation is once the students were in their home environment, there was a million other things they could do. And we just frankly aren't that interesting to them. <laughs> so, you know, the, the old model of put 50 colleges in a virtual room, it didn't work. What I've seen change during the pandemic, at least with uh, my my son, my nieces, my nephews, it's now fully acceptable to be walking through with your friends, each watching a different set of TikTok videos and that that counts as hanging out. And I think the days of students walking through a high school gym for an hour and being told you can't use your phone, I don't think those are coming back, right? I think even if they're there, they're not going to be as fully there. Does that make sense? Right. So I'm trying to play out the implications of how do we grab their attention or can we, or should we, if, if they're, if it's now more socially acceptable to just be in the corner on your phone or to be um, multitasking while conversing with someone? Yeah. I, you know where I thought this question was going was um, when you said like a student just walks up to a random table and you have uh-huh. to convince them that they're, you're interesting enough for them to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, teacher, are you going to, are you going to, propose like the chat roulette if you remember nope. that nope. 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 <laughs> of college fairs like <laughs> random admission pop pops up, officer pops on virtually and you have to say this is why your college is you can should continue on this wow oh, yeah okay you know what that would be an interesting <laughs> take the chat roulette branding out of it yes yes <laughs> different that, model but... that model could be fascinating right like tell a student in in 20 minutes you're gonna you're going to meet with 10 different colleges just randomly. I wonder how that would go. That well, is how do, interesting. How do you we think had, it would go? We, you know, we did a blind college fair with uh, the NARAC regional, the National Association of Regional Admission Counselors group, uh, uh-huh. right around the NACAC conference in Louisville at the uh, Kentucky Country Day School. Mm-hmm. Uh, no logos no shirts with your branding on it no table banners no pop-ups uh, all the reps just had generic like black tablecloths and hmm. students would walk up to the reps and ask about their institutions and uh it was a really interesting experiment there's a great article um about kentucky country day school doing this fair this blind college fair uh, we've seen it a few other places as well, but I think they they were one of the innovators on it. Uh, and I think everyone had a really great experience. And then I think at the end, everyone revealed their college. Um, so you were really trying to figure out fit without brand names, which was a, a really interesting exercise for students to put away all of their preconceived notions of you know, I know I've heard about you before, or um, I have no uh-huh. impressions and really have to ask questions of the admission counselor to say, is this a good fit for me or not? So perhaps there is a, a world in the virtual space that is sort of a, a blind college fair as well. I am so intrigued by the blind college fair. 
<laughs> wow. I'll, it's like uh, a marketing. I'll send you the link. It's like a marketing director's worst dream, though. I mean, it's like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, you know, for it them is. because you are so reliant on that individual admissions counselor to one be completely <laughs> agnostic to like not even talk about their school, which would be really hard to not mention the name of the school. Um, but then it becomes a little bit of a personality contest as well i'm guessing right I, yeah i think that could be the case but isn't it also the marketing director's dream to have an institution that can stand on its own because of the programs and offerings mm. uh that it offers that rather than just you know we, we're a big name school and you've heard of us before i mean that's a great advantage to have for sure mm -hmm. uh but if you can if you have a staff that can present all of the great things and programs that your school has to offer without relying on the name. I mean, I, I agree with you a hundred percent, but I don't, I don't have other than Loyola is a national name. Um, I don't, I, I haven't worked at like a big, huge big 10 school or something like that, where that's yeah. what you're really reliant on. Um, and I know that that kind of goes the other way because those places get mobbed. You know, those at college yeah. fairs, like they just get mobbed because they want to go over there and talk to Ohio State, you know, or, or UW Madison or whatever it is. So, yeah, I think you can kind of go both ways, but it really means you have to double down on training. As the admissions director, you have to double down on training with your staff so they can be able to talk about it in that way. But it, it would be an, at the very, very least, it would be an excellent training exercise <laughs> to do before you send out reps on the road to travel season. That's been a really interesting reaction we've received about the StriveScan 6x6, the virtual format there. Uh, we, do, we, as StriveScan, don't put together the groupings. Uh, we leave that to our partners, the, uh, the association college fair chairs or committees to put that together, or the individual fair coordinators from the high school, if it's a single high school that's hosting the fair, because we think that they know their students' needs and the institutions better than we, than we do. Um, but that combination of having a name brand institution that is the lead, that is the, the draw for the students, but then those five other institutions that may be drafting off of that name recognition have an opportunity with a captive audience to present uh, their offerings as well and, and the, make their, their pitch for why, you know, you might've come in here to hear about this Big Ten school, but now you know you can get this experience from our school, uh, and and here's how we compare and contrast. Fascinating, uh, Dan. Political brilliance to not be involved in putting those six schools together. <laughs> that is not something you want to get involved with. Yeah, yeah. That's there's we can have a whole conversation about that. But it's been really interesting too to hear our partners' strategies, and they've they've done it all different sorts of ways. There's been some that have been. Uh, they've put a lot of care and diligence into finding affinity groups and putting them together. Some do it geographically. Some have done it randomly or alphabetically, just like you walked into a college, uh, a high school gym and you found your mm -hmm. table. And sometimes you get that table that's in the corner by the bathroom. And sometimes you are right front and center. Um, so there, there is a lot, there's a lot of political uh, back and forth on that. And, and yes, uh, but you know, it, it's interesting. I think even, the participants, the reps who are participating in these have seen different things work and, and not work and where you're, uh, where you can get that draw otherwise. 
Well, and that that group travel that you kind of pinged off of in in generating the six by six, that there's where your affinity groups usually come together. You can the the college reps usually start to see, okay, students go from my table over to this other one. So right. we're gonna we're gonna work together. But there's also something just interesting watching a student at a you know back in the day in the before times when students would just go table to table to table and <laughs> stop at every one. Yeah, that that uh, we have the data that's really interesting to watch on the <laughs> uh, about student behavior at the fairs and the one who walked and saw talked to every single rep in the gym versus those <laughs> who pinpointed and found yeah. you know knew what they were doing walked in talked to the all the same schools that were all the art schools or who were all the uh -huh. schools in this in this geographic region and went mm. from room to room you know if it split up or uh, walked around in that targeted way it's been interesting dan can you tell us more about the data you collected in-person college fairs for you know maybe some folks aren't aren't aware of what what's all available yeah um so on our end we collect a lot of data you know the the colleges get a lot of the data for their own outreach and follow-up uh, for our purposes and we're the other thing that we try to produce is data for the uh, high school counselors who are putting on that fair or for the associations who are hosting the fair to in order to make their events better so we provide some general attendance data so is this is this fair well attended by what high school? So if it's a regional college fair and there are schools, multiple schools that were invited, um, I think everyone on the college side has gotten those invitations before that has said, come to this fair, pay and register for this fair. There are going to be 50 high schools that are invited to participate, but in reality, only a couple of schools actually send students uh, mm -hmm. who actually have followed up on it. So that's some of where we can reconcile that difference and show, okay, this many juniors uh, from this high school actually attend the fair, scanned with at least one college at the fair. Uh, or uh, for the associations, oftentimes when they're planning out their college fair calendars, we can pull in geographic indicators. So students drove 20 miles, 30 miles, crossed the border from the other state in order to go to this fair. And maybe yeah. that means that we need to host another regional fair in that part of the state or you know over the border in the other county in order to serve the students in that place because they're coming from a really large geographic area in order to reach this one fair uh, or maybe you know more typically it's maybe we can consolidate these fairs because these same students um, could attend either one and we now have the data to support consolidating and making a larger regional fair um, uh, Mark Steinlogge will have a lot of information. That's when uh, Missouri ACAC adopted StriveScan for the first time that uh, Mark Steinlogge was president of Missouri ACAC and Jeff Buckman was president-elect and college fair chair. And they used a lot of StriveScan data in their first year of implementing StriveScan at their fairs in order to make the case to consolidate fairs and make them better for the association as well. Mm -hmm. So it really, I mean, it's kind of incredible. And I, I think I've known this, but to hear you talk about it, how what you're doing really does affect many parts of our industry. It's not just for colleges. It's not just for the school counselors. I mean, if you're even helping out associations, um, that's, that's pretty revolutionary. And I appreciate that you're doing this for the industry. It really is a great thing, Dan. I, I yeah, I, um, 
it's my pleasure. I think we are in the, we wouldn't be in, there wouldn't be a strive scan if we couldn't make this process a little easier and contribute to every mm -hmm. element. And I think that's a, it's a blessing and a curse to have that many stakeholders, that many people that we can help improve their decision-making and jobs and uh, reduce some friction. But at the same time, you know, we also need to be accountable and uh, provide a, a valuable service to, to every one of those stakeholders. There's a lot of people involved in college fairs, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, which I think is if you are just a rep who shows up, you may not realize how many levels of decision-making and factors to put together a giant calendar of a hundred different fairs around your state went into that. Yeah. You know, and you figured it out by, I mean, from as far as I can tell, Dan, you listened to every uh, stakeholder in the college fair and then came up with a process as opposed to dictating to the to the rest of us, this is how we do it. And I'll leave it at that since we're being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, there There wouldn't be a strive scan, but for the input of all of these stakeholders who I have been fortunate enough to count as friends and yeah. you know, want to make their make their jobs easier. Uh, and so I'm happy if StriveScan can be a part and contribute to, to that, make that a better experience for, for those professionals and for those families. Well, Dan, this has been a fan fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for taking time to hang out with us. Uh, we always like to end with the, the same two questions for our guests. Uh, what are you working on next? And Dan, if folks want to get in touch with you and continue the conversation, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, what I'm working on next uh, on the professional side of things is uh, StriveScan is actually going to be creating a series of our own fairs and college programming to help supplement some of the things that each of our association partners, individual high schools have put on. Um, I think I... Uh, there's just been a need for, we've seen this need for college access programming, college knowledge, uh, because junior nights have been canceled, because these incoming classes have not had the same advantage. And you know, it's been hard. It's been hard for them to get uh, college information. So, so there will be a a slate of opportunities for panel presentations, different types of college fairs that a single school or a state association may not be able to put on themselves. Kind of speaking again to this like affinity uh, groups, uh, different majors, and kind of going in a little bit of a deeper dive in order to meet that need for some of the students to explore in a different way that um, a traditional fair would not have been able to, to make. So we're excited about that. That's still in the works. Um, and I guess if this is airing in April, then hopefully it's uh, in progress and, and going well. <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, how folks can get a hold of me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Dan Saavedra, or and message me there, or reach me uh, at dan at strivescan.com. Dan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, Tej, another great extended cut from the summer session series here in 2022. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we're hard at work at, on season four. It's going to drop yes. as always, um, probably in the fall, so that you have plenty of great things to listen to when you're on the road doing your travel season. Because travel uh, is back. Travel's back. Maybe we'll we'll see if it dated, changes. You just dated this. You completely <laughs> just froze this in time. Okay, well, but we do have a special little special project we're working on. Do you want to be specific or vague about that, T? Uh, first, I want to swing back. You introduced this as the summer of 2022, so I didn't date this. You did. But second, the special project. Yeah, I'm so excited for this. I don't want to give too much away because it's still kind of taking shape. But season four is going to launch in September right around NACAC. So you'll be able to um, pick up a couple episodes while you're in the in the flight to Houston. I'm so excited to see many of many of you there. Uh, I think we're calling you the Lunchcast Heads. Is that right, Nathan? Is that what no, we call our fans? No, no don't the, even the, no. <laughs> The lunch casts? Okay. The lunch casties? No. no. <laughs> okay. But uh, you'll be able to listen to those. But we've been um, working on a, a special series designed to highlight some specific solutions and to challenges we're all facing. So I don't want to go any further right now as things are still coming together and might take shape. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for what, what is coming there as well. That was a good tease with saying something, but not everything. So, oh, I can keep going by saying nothing at all for a long time. You're the king. You're the king, man. Okay. Well, I think that's enough closing banter. I'm sure you got another great, great cold close, whatever opening on the back end of the music. So, let's get Mm -hmm. right to that. But, hope you enjoyed this summer session 2022. I don't, were you planning on waiting to like release these in 24? I thought it was safe to do 22, but. Anyway, well, thanks, lunchcasters. Okay, lunchcasties, right. lunch, lunch, heads. No, 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 we're gonna workshop that. All right, well, I'm I think we're gonna close it out. I'm Nathan, I'm Siege. Really, what big pause? Let's try that again. I'm Nathan, I'm Tej. I said it right away. I don't know, I don't understand. And that was a lunch cast. Thank you. Say something funny for the cold open. Like I had nothing. I, well, I know, yeah, but can you <laughs> pretend? <laughs> I can't. I can't even pretend.